You are tuned to Community Powered Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. It's 6 o'clock, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Good evening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. The Delta variant is causing a surge in COVID-19 cases. But just how bad is it here in California? Tonight, leading infectious disease expert and professor of medicine at UC San Francisco, Dr. Monica Gandhi, joins the California Report to help make sense of it all. After a brief look at regional news and weather, hydrogeologist Steve Baker shares some good news on this week's Water News. We close tonight with a commentary by Mark Cunaberti. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin with breaking news. PG&E says its equipment may have contributed to yet another major wildfire this year. In a preliminary report filed with state regulators, the utility said yesterday that the fly fire may have started when a tree fell on one of its power lines. The fire started in Plumas County near Highway 70 and combined with the Dixie Fire late last month to form the largest wildfire currently burning in the state. PG&E says it's cooperating with the U.S. Forest Service investigation into what started the fire. Earlier, the utility reported that the Dixie Fire also may have started when a tree fell onto one of its power lines near a dam in Butte County. Together, the fires have now burned about a quarter million acres. PG&E equipment has sparked some of the largest and deadliest wildfires in Northern California in recent years, including the Camp Fire, which destroyed the town of Paradise in 2018. Turning to the pandemic, starting today, most counties in the Bay Area will require people to wear masks indoors in public spaces, no matter their COVID vaccination status. Health officers for seven counties in the city of Berkeley announced the order yesterday as case numbers surge. Here's Contra Costa Health Officer Dr. Chris Ferritano on the situation in his county. We are alarmed at the rate at which COVID patients are filling our community hospital beds. The number of patients in local hospitals due to COVID have doubled in just the past 10 days and increased by more than 400 percent in the month of July. The two Bay Area counties not included in the order are Napa and Solano counties. L.A., Sacramento and Yolo counties have all implemented similar mandates in recent weeks. Well, the surge of the COVID-19 Delta variant has led to a whole new phase of the pandemic. This time, it's different, says UCSF infectious disease expert Monica Gandhi. The phase we're in now is marked by a spike in cases, she said, but not in deaths. I spoke with Dr. Gandhi earlier. Can you explain what it means when we say that this Delta variant is more contagious than the original? Is that the same thing as saying that it is worse than the original? It's not exactly saying it's worse. It's just saying that one of its properties is very disturbing, which is that it has a high viral load and it is more transmissible contagious. So three things about a variant you care about. Is it more transmissible? Check. That is yes for the Delta variant. Absolutely. Higher viral loads. It's spreading more quickly. Second, is it more virulent? Does it make people more sick? Unclear. There was some data that the CDC shared at the end of last week that indicates it's possible, but that isn't totally decided yet. Third, does it evade our vaccines? And that is going to be the worst thing that could ever happen with a variant. And this variant does not evade our vaccines. 
And is that true, doctor, across the board, whether we're talking about the Pfizer vaccine or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? At least what we know from the Pfizer vaccine is that it's 88% effective in preventing symptomatic infection and 96% effective in preventing hospitalizations. But what we really need to know is, are we seeing more breakthrough infections with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? There was a, um, a look at that from Minnesota that's indicated slightly more breakthroughs with Johnson & Johnson. I think we're waiting for other pockets of data including the CDC, to tell us whether we're seeing more breakthroughs with Johnson & Johnson. Don't know the answer to that. It is possible, though. We have been told that symptoms are mild in vaccinated people who contract the Delta variant. Do we know if they are at risk for that long-haul version that we saw affect a lot of people when this whole pandemic began? We don't know that yet. I will say that people are really looking at that question avidly in general. Those who had more severe infection with COVID were more likely to get those longer symptoms. We saw we see that in influenza as well and other um, major viral infections. We see more effects if you've had a more severe infection. These should be mild, and I hope not, but absolutely needs more study. Talk to us just statewide how bad is the Delta variant and the pandemic in general in California right now? We have increased cases, and there are various places that would say, oh, we'd be back in the red tier if we were just talking about cases, 70% of our counties, but our hospitalizations are not at all following suit. Why? Because in the context of higher vaccination rates, cases and hospitalizations become decoupled. So we're not completely decoupled, but there are areas like San Francisco where The cases are high, but the hospitalizations are not following suit. They're mainly among the unvaccinated Mm -hmm. and they're staying within good hospital capacity that we can manage. So this is the difference between this time and any surge that happened prior to relatively high vaccination rates. The surge does not feel the same way as it did before vaccinations. When I hear you say hospitalizations are in a totally different place than they were earlier in the pandemic... It makes me think, you know, maybe there actually is an end in sight. Is that too optimistic? I would really like people to take that from the end of our interview because there is an end in sight. So we always have places that are a little bit of ahead of us, right? And the UK is a good example that what happened in the UK as cases went up with this Delta variant, the hospitalization stayed manageable. They got through it and then cases started plummeting. And frankly, that was in the context of opening. But let's realize that they did open fully on July 19th. So there is an end in sight to this. It isn't the same like it was before. I know this feels like whiplash. I know this feels like it's the same, but it's not if hospitalizations don't track in the same way. The more and more immunity we can get in the population, the more we can keep down those levels of severe disease that close down society. That does not mean that places who have low rates of vaccination, which is not California, but Arkansas, for example, aren't doing poorly. They are. And so it is very important to get more and more and more vaccinations in people who are eligible. But there is an end in sight. All right. Dr. Monica Gandhi, thank you so much for your insights. Thank you. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of healthcare with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt. 
whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And personal capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, August 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. COVID-19. Wildfires. What else could possibly happen? Well, how about the bubonic plague? The Tahoe Daily Tribune reports that the Taylor Creek Visitor Center, Kiva Beach, and their respective parking areas will be closed through Friday after local chipmunks were found that tested positive for the bacterium that causes plague. Plague is an infectious bacterial disease that's spread by squirrels, chipmunks, and other wild rodents and their fleas. People can become infected through close contact with infected animals or by the bite of an infected flea. According to El Dorado County Public Health, plague is naturally present in many parts of California, including higher elevations. Visitors are advised to be cautious around animals that could carry it. The Forest Service says that vector control will complete its eradication treatments by Thursday and that the affected areas will likely reopen prior to this weekend. Locally, in a release, Nevada County Public Schools announced today that all students and staff will be required to wear face coverings at Nevada County Public Schools. The announcement arrives just as Nevada County Public Health announced today's COVID-19 case numbers. 140 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today, up from yesterday's 124. 412 cases are active in our community 11 people are hospitalized. In regional weather, Nevada City, Grass Valley tonight clear with a low around 67. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 95. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 53 degrees. Wednesday sunny with a high near 87. And for Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 59 degrees. Wednesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 94. Next, let's listen to some good news from California's Livingston Stone National Fish Hatchery. Paul Emery talks to hydrogeologist Steve Baker about it in this week's Water News. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, welcome back, Steve. Oh, Uh, great to be back. Good to have your information changes all the time. You mentioned last week that you would try to pass on some good news this week. Uh, Any luck? Yes. We can talk salmon for a minute. How about that one? You and I both know that drought can really impact salmon. I mean, we're talking about coming back from the ocean, but also, again, when the offspring are making their way back down again to the ocean. So uh, the national fish hatcheries actually plan for their interventions early to help the, the, the salmon out. The interventions can start as early as January, although, you know, at that time they're also 
praying and hoping for more rain so we don't have to have such, you know, concerns for getting the juveniles down downstream again. Anyhow, Brett uh, Gallian at the Coleman and Livingston Stone National Fish Hatchery, he stated that they released 11.8 million Fall Run Chinook salmon before the river conditions turned poor. That's They were so successful, and they found that if... The salmon is released, these, these juveniles are released in March after a rain event. They survive a lot better than if the release had occurred in April without the rain. Even if the March release rains or, or the releases were a smaller volume of, of fish, they were just more successful. And this is what their, their studies have, have found out. And it may be, they, they stated that it may be because of all the suspended solids, all that muddy water from the rain events, you know, it gets real mucky in, in our rivers. And you can't see, which is a really good thing for these little buggers, these little juveniles that are trying to uh, find their way safely down the river to the ocean. You know, the, the predators, they can't see them. So the Red Bluff Fish and Wildlife Office, uh, they project flow and temperature conditions about three weeks after the proposed release dates in coming up with the release dates. So it's, it's really a very positive story. They look at the average travel time and the distance that the juveniles can travel. Well, how long does it take uh, for them to get to the ocean from, say, the Redding area? Yeah, I don't really know. But do you know how long that ride is? That, that swim is 300 miles long. And uh, maybe a little bit less if you have saline water coming in, as it is even now as we speak, from the ocean. It, it, there's a buffer zone when the salt water uh, meets the fresh water. And uh, there's that concern that the delta could be affected by, by that saltwater intrusion. So it may be a little less than 300 miles at a time. But uh, I don't know how long it takes. Only that uh, these are strong fish. They're, they do this every year. And that's, uh, that's magical in itself. I know that you wanted to uh, shift our conversations mm -hmm. before we end to wildfires. Um, what message uh, do you want to leave us with today? Uh, you know, Paul, this is actually a, a good one, too. I mean, every one of us listening today needs to have a get-out plan, right? Because if there's a wind-driven fire, things happen really quick, and we want to be safe. So um, a real plan, a get-out plan, it requires three parts, and this is what everyone really needs to think about. It has a part where you're actually, you need to do to prepare for evacuation. This is way before there's even a fire. And then you have to have an ability to communicate for monitoring the wildfire conditions as things are developing and happening, to know when you need to move, to, to get out. Then, of course, the evacuation itself. So it comes in three parts. And if you don't have all three parts, well, you know what? It's easy to to develop this because there's a downloadable guidance document that Operation Unite put together. It's really easy to do. Just go to operationunite.co and follow the banner on top of the homepage. It says, go on over to the Disaster Preparedness tab and download your own 10 megabyte PDF file of, of, your, of your guidance document. You make it your own. Everybody does it differently. Everybody's in a different stage of having a good one already. And, uh, but everybody can serve to, uh, they, they can improve on it. And remember, when the caca hits the fan, we, uh, small mistakes become big mistakes. And that could, that could take a life. We don't want that to happen. So go and download your guidance document and create your own. Really look at it. It's this. This is good news because there's a way. It's not hard. It's a way to really stay safe if there was a windblown fire. So, uh, what do you think of that? 
Sounds good, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's no, do it's, it. No, it puts everything in order, you know, if you follow a plan like that. Yeah. and you know, you, Something that's you, been thought out other than just your own ideas. So. And when we're rattled in the middle of, a, an, ev- of, of an emergency, sometimes yeah. we, we forget things. So this is a great way to go. Oh, Steve, once again, how can people uh, download that plan? Again, just go get on your computers. Go to www.operationunite.co. Only, only two letters. No C- comma. C-O. There's no M on that. No, uh C-O. And then just follow the prompt on the banner at the very top. It's really easy. It's 10 megabytes. It's nothing. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm discussing these things with people openly everywhere because uh, I'm getting very positive feedback from it. People are yeah. doing it. Uh, there's a lot of activity now at the site. People from all other counties, too, a number of other counties, downloading it and using it. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at stevebaker at operationunite.co. Tonight we close with a commentary by Mark Cunaberti. Welcome to this edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The market continues to creep ever higher with the Dow breaching the 35,000 mark on June 29th, only to back off into the 34,000 shortly thereafter, up from a COVID low of around 18,300 during the third week of March 2020. The rally initially started with a select group of stocks, only to lift almost all boats as the year progressed. All the way up, analysts and investors alike marveled at the V-shaped recovery that continued almost unabated. Violent rotations in and out of various sectors continued to baffle investors as the fickle ways of the COVID recovery stock market kept even the best stock pickers guessing as to where to run. Each day seemingly brought new challenges and wild swings in portfolio balances. Index mutual funds and exchange-traded fund buyers may have witnessed less than stellar performance, as some of the stocks in these basket holdings may have risen while others dropped, offsetting possible gains. Definitely a stock picker's market versus an index buying one. In my opinion, the pattern seems to be continuing. With the news about the Delta variant causing more concerns that a new surge might curtail or even derail the recovery, more and more analysts are voicing the possibility that a market correction may be approaching. Add in the stunning and seemingly relentless upward trajectory of the overall markets in the last 15 months, and correction fears may be well-founded. No one can say for sure what lies ahead in the markets where COVID is concerned, but it's safe to say uncertainty has reigned supreme in all of the year 2020 and so far most of 2021 as well. It is said the markets climb a wall of worry, and only when all participants believe markets can never correct do many market setbacks usually occur. That said, earlier in the year, it seemed that all-in was the order of the day, and only recently have more and more investors kept a jaundiced eye on the markets and their fingers at the ready on the sell button. Fed stimulus money has no doubt a lot to do with the market's rise, as well as consumers hitting the streets again as COVID fears waned, with vaccination rates climbing. 
COVID, meanwhile, apparently had no plans of going quietly into the night. And with the new variant once again striking fear into the hearts and minds of many, the possibility of stricter measures to curtail COVID spread looms large over the markets. Although shutdowns are starting to occur once again across the globe in various countries, so far the U.S. has no such plans, at least announced publicly. The pushback against shutdowns by some were constant all through 2020, and the damage the shutdowns caused is undisputed. Whether the authorities at either the state or the federal level will once again initiate shutdowns strikes fear into many, while many more fear the variant itself even more so. Should the shutdowns once again be considered here in the United States, no doubt a contentious debate will surface once again between the supporters of the shutdowns and those against them. We can also expect the markets to react negatively to the possibility of more shutdowns and quite possibly very violently. That does it for today's Money Matters. The opinions expressed here are my opinions only and not those of any bank or investment advisory firm or this radio station and staff, management, or underwriter and should not be construed as investment advice. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free, which is our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. I hold California insurance license OL34249 and am a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. My name's Mark Cunaberti. Thanks for listening. And that concludes tonight's KVMR newscast. We get support from Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and cat boarding for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. Dr. Susan Murphy and staff proudly support KVMR. F-O-U-R pawsac.com and Bistro 221. American comfort food with Southern and Italian inspirations for lunch and dinner. Preparing homemade risotto, sandwiches, burgers, and fried chicken using the freshest ingredients available. More information, bistro221nevadacity.com. Stay tuned. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Food Sleuth. Tonight, host and registered dietitian Melinda Hemmelgarn talks with Susan Aram co-founder and executive director of the Sustainable Iowa Land Trust, a statewide nonprofit organization that permanently preserves farmland in order to grow healthy food. Educationally Speaking will return on August 17th. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza, wishing you a wonderful evening. Thank you.